2. Except I'm going to start at the end of Genesis 1. So Steve kicked off last week, the beginning with Genesis. Not last week, sorry, it's the week before, wasn't it now? Oh, time do fly. It do really fly. He started off in Genesis and uh, introduced, the, um, introduced to us the fact that um, God had this great idea. I want to make somebody like me. And... Um, I was at that time I was reading in, in James and uh, it really spoke to me because James was sort of talking to the Christians and he's saying be careful what you say about other people because they too are created in the image of God and it just it was just like an arrow came to me you know, you know as a driver <laughs> other people aren't created in the image of God are they and that's not the way we see them sometimes not created in the image of God. So you have to be very careful what you say. I, could just, I was just thinking back to some of the things I've called other drivers in the past. <laughs> and I was really shocked at myself. Um, but uh, James was right, wasn't he? You know, all humanity is actually created in, and it's a tremendous concept. And Stephen just broke down, you know, some of the things, the fact that, you know, it's, it's relational, you know. Complete connection, and sometimes we forget to see what that's like. But um, we're looking today at. Um, well, I'm not going to give you the words which which are on my my paper, but I just want to read the scripture. And um, as it's the end of Genesis one, I should got the right one. It's verse thirty-one. It's the last verse. And God saw everything that he had made. The idea behind that word saw, when you're looking at your television, you see the picture, you see the screen, and you see what's what's there. It's entertainment, instruction, news, or whatever it is. And that comes to us, and you see that. We see that. Now, God just didn't look at his creation and say, oh, wow, that looks good. It's like you now start taking the screen away and looking what's behind and look at all the components that actually bring a picture to the saw is that God saw it. he saw it in order he saw it in its rightful place he to get all working together this is not working together is it uh, he saw it all working together in complete harmony to do the... What is it? A go.
Yes. So God saw saw everything. He actually saw it in a different way that we actually realise what saw is all about. So if God is, if we say God saw us, He saw the beauty that really nothing else could determine or understand because only he understood it. He only understood it. It's a deep saw. It's not just looking at the picture. It's looking at everything behind it that makes it good. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, well, some unusual word for the ESV, isn't it? Behold, it was good. No, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Father, we thank you for the precise words that you've allowed to be put into your book. We thank you for the beauty behind them. Lord, we thank you for everything that we understand from what you said. And we want to praise you this morning. Help us to understand what it's all about in Jesus' name. I suppose the two things that are flying out in what, what we're doing in, um, as a series is that um, the idea uh, that God rested and what that actually means um, then and sort of throughout the years since then right down to today. The, the idea of the seventh day. And you remember that um, Pete Pemberthy last week actually um, helped us and, and, and sort of encouraged us, in a sense, to, to look at numbers in the Bible. Theomatics are something that are really important in the Bible. There's a word given to it because it's become very important. And uh, he, he was sort of saying, now, when seven's mentioned in the Bible, we need to take note. But not only the number seven, there's so many things. And um, you know it's a tremendous study, but really what he said out of last week was, when you look at the words, the number seven in the Bible, it's actually God's sort of conveying the idea of something which is perfect and something which is complete, something that had been brought together, not just been brought together, but it's been brought together for a purpose, brought together for a purpose. And so you have day seven here, and um, we're sort of looking a little bit at that this morning. Um, but um, as I was preparing for, day, for today, I always look for a starting point. You know, where can I start? You know, how do I kick this off sort of thing? And do you remember when Steve came, we had this, this duo on the, on the DVD up on the, um, up on the screen, you know, singing a song for us. It's all about the beginning. Um, and, yeah, it is all about the beginning, isn't it? So I wonder where I would start. And um, I was praying about it, and this morning... Um, what I'm going to do to you do is now give you a picture that I had during worship, and I'm not sure where I'm going with that, because I believe some someone may have something to add to it this morning. But um, there's so much in- uncertainty in our world, 
There's uncertainty about the future of the earth. There's uncertainty about finances. There's uncertainty about health. There's uncertainty about future. You know, what happens to me? Do I get stuck in an old people's home or something? And um, what happens? So much uncertainty in our world. And, and, I, and I believe in some way this morning God wants to help us to have um, encouragement to be more sure in his word and to understand the confidence that we can have by knowing God through Jesus and um, finding you know, a better place to be than we are now. This is the picture. Um, it was of a house, a, two, a house with a ground floor and uh, a first floor, and it had all the furniture in it, but it had no roof. It had no roof. Now, what use is a house without a roof? Not much, really, not in our climate anyway, even though some people do have houses without roofs throughout the world because of poverty and one thing and another. Um, but it was this, that um, the person was saying... Um, Oh, it's going to rain tonight. I must get all the stuff out of the house. And so they moved the stuff out of the house and put it outside and then went back in the house and suddenly realized, well, that's pointless. That's pointless doing that because outside it will rain the house. So the person brought all the furniture back into the house and put it in, in there. And, and there was a sense of uncertainty about where, where to put the furniture and the stuff. And, and the person was, oh, where do I sleep tonight, inside or outside? And sometimes our lives are like that. We actually move things around in our lives because of uncertainty. Sometimes we do, we do our habits differently, the way we do things. Sometimes we change our job, and some people never stop changing their jobs because there's uncertainty and because there's no satisfaction. There's no actual completion to, to, to their lives. And they keep, moving job, keep looking for the next job until you find it. There's that uncertainty. And it's like this person that was moving the furniture in, inside. And that, Where shall I put my furniture? You know, because there was no protection. There was no seal to the house. There was no confidence to put the stuff in a place and leave it there because there was protection over the house. And our world is a little bit like that. Changing partners. Fed up with the old one. Just get rid of them. Yeah. I don't like that coffee anymore. Um, I tell you what, you can't get scotch broth like you used to be able to, cross and blackwell or whatever it was. What are you screwing your face for, Fred? Baxter's it was. Oh, right, okay. Keep changing. But there is a deep unrest in our world. And ultimately... It can only be found through what God has done and what he's going to do. God wants to bring an end to doubt and uncertainty in our lives. And he can only do that about through Jesus. So that's my starting point, And I'm just going to leave it there with you because I feel someone has something to add to it. It's not complete. And so where was I going to start this morning? Well, as I read about this seventh day, I thought, wow, that's the greatest day in history. In a sense, it was and still is. But there has become a greater day in history in Jesus. 
His death on the cross has become a great... Why? Because all that was lost on that last greatest day has now been recovered. And I think that tells us a lot about our God. You know, what he put in place in the first place, there is a tremendous dynamic to be restored and to be recovered. And our earth, this earth we live in, we need to be certain in a creator God. Um, David in one of the Psalms said, um, the Lord is my helper who made both heaven and earth. If God is creator, then he's also our helper. If he's not creator, like David said, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made both heaven and earth. And so, for a doubt in creation will actually sow a seed of doubt in our lives. Now, I don't actually want to unpack that and sort of detail the doctrine behind that, but I want to say to you, out of a matter of spiritual understanding, if we sow the seed about doubt of creation and what God did, it will actually undermine our confidence in all the rest that God did and can do. There's a value in creation which actually gives us a foundation to our lives. And I think that's wonderful. We praise God for all that he's made. So here's this seventh day. So I thought about the greatest day in history. And I thought about this seventh day too. And I suddenly uh, remembered a wonderful play or production I went to, and I can't remember what it was now, <laughs> so how wonderful it was. But uh, what I do remember is the encore. I know this. There was such a spirit of, of, of um, what should I say, do it again in that encore. Do it again. And I think this encore went on for about six times. Now that shows you how good it was. And by the end, by the last encore, we were saying, keep on going. Keep on going. And I thought to myself, this day, this seventh day, was a wonderful encore to what God had made. When he saw that it was very good. Keep on going! But that might be our reaction, but that wasn't God's reaction because this was the conclusion the board that he had made. And that conclusion would actually give to the people of the earth the wonder of joining in with that encore. I think the first point I want to make about this, these verses this morning, really they lead us to a place of worship. They lead us to a place of worship. David was reminding us, my little children, you know, worship can take us to new heights. It can take us to a new understanding as we appreciate the wonders of God. And by reading these verses, we can't really understand the wonders of that day. It doesn't actually really come across. So we have to look to another place to help us with that.
Before we do that, uh, what, what was the writer's intention? You know, when theologians come to a book in the Bible, they always ask ourselves the question, what's the writer's intention? And very often we get it, but we don't get it with Genesis. What we do get is, is two accounts of, the, of creation here, and the first one in chapter 1 is, um, is wonderful, actually, because Moses wasn't alive here, and, and it's generally understood that Moses wrote Genesis, or compiled it in some way. But as I read through it earlier on, I thought to myself, it's almost as if the bloke was standing there watching what was going on. You know? God saw everything he'd made, and it was good. And, uh, you know, the, the, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and, and the trees and everything that, that, that came forth. And it was also someone was being wowed by what was going on. It's like an eyewitness account. When you come to chapter 2, it's a, a, a summary. It sort of goes back over that, and it summarizes it. And I thought to myself, that's amazing, really, that all that detail should come into chapter 1 from someone who wasn't there. God, through his Spirit, must have obviously drawn the conclusion with, the, with Moses, whoever it was, that was writing these words. And, um, and I thought to myself, to have that sort of experience, to be an eyewitness of what's going on, is such a wonderful spiritual concept. And I thought at the time when I first came to Jesus, six years of hearing about Jesus dying on the cross, and um, it didn't actually mean a lot, you know, and then one day... When I was seven, it's almost as if I was an eyewitness in my mind, standing at the cross, seeing Jesus being crucified for me. And it was at that point that I accepted him as my saviour. I came. I received him. It was different, you know. And this room this morning can be filled with people who know it all. And until the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we see it clearly, we've never seen it before. It's like being an eyewitness. And I thought of Luke. He sat down and he says, how can I touch this bloke Theophilus? How can I get his attention? And Luke wrote in, these sort of, in this sort of vein, Look, Theophilus, I want to tell you about all that we as eyewitnesses have seen of Jesus since we first understood about Jesus coming. It talks about from the beginning, and so we could actually go back to this passage in Genesis this morning because it all connects up together. You know, it's a wonderful concept, you know, to be able to see something by faith, even though we've known it by knowledge. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. And it goes on like that. He actually sort of, in a way, makes us eyewitnesses about what went on and what happens. And today in our worship, we actually summarize all that Jesus did and all that he said, and we worship. We give him the praise. So what was the writer's intention? Let's go back to that. What we do know is this. 
The person who was writing Genesis was reading it in this vein that he'd be given a task of discovering the purpose of a work that is so great and so diverse. That's creation. And if you've been given the task of putting that together, well, I don't know where we'd start. But someone said, you know, that, um, well, if Moses had been given that a task and he just sat down to do it without any real information, the chance that he wrote those things down that were so perfectly put together would be trillions to one. It's not by chance. Here's Moses. He wasn't alive. And it was about two and a half thousand years later that Jewish people were introduced to the importance of this day as being a day of rest. Learn more about that just a little bit later. But Moses was discovering the purpose of a work that is so great and so diverse. You say, well, what does that, that really mean to me? Because I don't really understand it. But I just want to apply that to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're on a quest to determine the value of a work so great and so diverse that the world has not seen it yet. But this morning we can do through his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, in John, John wrote and he said, uh, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the truth. You know, and the Holy Spirit actually helps us to discover a work so great and so diverse. And Peter said, or is it Timothy said, that not even the angels understood it, but we can. So Moses almost wrote as an eyewit. He wrote to summarize it. And he, you could just sense this through the writing. Yeah, where did it start? What was it all about? How does it impact the universe? How does it impact me today? And even those early writings early records of what went on, you could see him compiling, well, this is important, that's not important, or whatever. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he knew what was right because he had a conviction of the Holy Spirit in his life to put it down to page so that we could read it and understand it today. Discovering a work, the purpose of a work so great, so diverse. So what else do we learn from this passage this morning? And this day that God put in place the ability of revealing himself to his world. And what we see in creation is power, wisdom, order, beauty, supernatural ability, and all these things. God's declaring himself you know, through his creation, in man, and all that he's put together, he's declaring it. Romans 19, 1.19 says this, For what can be known about God, what can be known about God is plain, because God has shown it to us, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So in a sense, 
He goes on and makes a little comment, so we're actually without excuse. That's the dynamic through this, the process up to this seventh day. This day, God did nothing. Someone said he didn't even speak. Because we read that God said, let the earth bring forth this, and he spoke, and it happened. But he did speak on this day because he said this day I sanctify this day I make it holy and he set it apart so that seventh day well the greatest day in history because God had brought took everything that he'd made and he brought it completion to his own satisfaction. If you come into my house, if you don't see it, you'll know that there's some unfinished jobs in my house. If you want to know what they are, ask Margaret, because she knows every one of them in detail. And I was sitting in our lounge the other day and I just noticed a patch here and a patch there, a patch of paint, places, spots I hadn't painted. And I'd done it with a rolly, and I thought, you, you missed a bit. You missed a bit. You missed a bit. You missed a bit. God never missed a bit. Never missed a bit. When he saw what he had made, he didn't tweak it like those artists do on a Tuesday with their paintings. They finished their paintings, they put it on the wall. They say, like, I wish I'd done that. Oh, that's not right. They're not the colour there. And they just want to tweak it. God never had to tweak his world because it was perfect and complete. Even you and I, in the image of God. Nothing more to be added. Nothing more to be taken away. Perfect, complete, absolute. What a glorious day. The greatest day in history. We don't realise it. Would you turn over to Job 38 if you have a Bible? I just want to join in I want us to join in with Job. It's here somewhere. It's Job 38 and we'll start at verse 1. And very just, just very quickly just to put it in context. Job, God allowed Job into the world of suffering. Job was subjected to heartbreaking suffering. In the midst of it, he would not curse God, but fell on his knees and worshipped. One thing he really wrestled with was has God rejected me? Uncertainty. Has God rejected me? He made rash statements about God's failure to be just and loving. And who of us in a time of trial and difficulty say, is God just, does he love me, or whatever? There was some uncertainty there. But God remains silent. 
God remained silent and he didn't ask Job's, answer Job's questions that he was asking. And Job was asking the question, well, in this, am I innocent or am I guilty? What have I done to upset God? Sort of thing. He does that uncertainty and we get those uncertainties in life, don't we? When things go wrong, have I upset God? Or as I hear very much in the marketplace, someone up there don't like me. Yeah? That uncertainty. God remained silent about the questions Job was asking. But what God did do was take him on a walk through the days of creation and a variety of different parts of his work. And he brought Job to a wonderful place. In the end, Job encountered God as he really was. He learned that he was really his friend. And he found a better place. He was then confident in God and not in himself. I think sometimes that's the problem, isn't it? We need to be confident in God, who he is, what he's done for us. And so it, the passage begins with the storm in, verse th- in chapter 38. And so out of the storm... God brought him to rest, to be satisfied in his creator. What a wonderful place to be. Now Job's life was lived round about between Genesis 11 and 12, quite early on. And Lot and Abraham were about. Well, I wanted you to read this. So out of the storm God spoke. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words? Without knowledge, dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have some understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched out the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. I think that's such a tremendous verse. The stars up here, look, on this board. Greatest day in history. We don't understand it, do we really? But we'd have loved to have been there. We'd have loved to be in there. There's one or two more verses. Verse 8. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb. When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since the days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Had the gates of death been revealed to you? And they surely had, hadn't they? And we'll leave it there. And it goes on. There's two chapters, I think, of it. God 
walking Job through creation. The wonder of how he put it together and how it works. And in the end of it, Job was brought to a better place. So what Paul said, writing his letter to the Roman Christians, you know, for what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been God bless your creative work to us today. May it stir our hearts to praise and worship. Let us sing with the angels. Now to bring this to conclusion, this is this place of rest and confidence in God. Can you turn to Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30. This is a well-known and well-worn few verses. That day of rest was a day of completion when God drew an under, uh, he sort of underlined what all he had done and it made a perfect provision for his populated earth. It could derive com- we could derive confidence in it and know that God is God. Know that he has power to uphold all things. Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I I think if I asked you to put your hand up, you've never heard those passages before. I don't think any hand would go up, would it? Really? But there it is. The words of Jesus. And very quickly, this is a summary by the Lord Jesus himself that is essential to the Christian life. There is an initial act by which this life begins, and it's in the first verse of that, come to me, all you that labor. It's not understanding about God. It's actually making the journey from where we are now to where he is and to what he's done for us. It's a journey that people do not make. Sometimes the Christian gospel is avoided. It's rejected. It's disparaged. It's not given any credibility in our world we know but Jesus says come it's a simple step it's an initial step by coming to Jesus, it's what the Christian gospel is all about, it's actually coming to him and can I commend you the best journey that you'll ever make this morning is coming to Jesus it's simple, it's profound it's deep but it's just like what we've been reading in creation, that creation story. God saw all that he had made. It was very good. And God rested on that day. 
he came, that all came to a place of completion and fulfillment. And the Christian gospel is about coming to Jesus so that our lives might know completion, so that some things might be underlined and put in their place and sorted out. Come to rest. Come to rest in Jesus. Come to a place that we never thought we could make it or that we actually can't make it by our own working and understanding. It's coming to the place that God has provided. It is a place of rest. There's two aspects of the Christian life that are mentioned here. It's a rest that is given, and it's a rest that is, that is, is discovered. Jesus said, come and you will find rest. And it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest. Words used again. It's imparted by coming to Jesus as a gift, and we receive that, but it's also learnt and also discovered. You know, many people are satisfied just to fulfill the first part of that and not to go on to the second part. Satisfied with the coming and that God's going to sort things out, he makes me complete, but leave the learning bit out and taking the yoke upon you and learning from him is left out. So the first one is imparted. What is imparted? Well, we receive pardon when we come to God through Jesus Christ and he forgives all our sins. He deals with our sin and he forgives all our sins. Two very important aspects. He deals with the very nature of why we are like we are and he gives us the life of Christ. So there's pardon and actually fact we're actually made one with God again because we're reconciled to him. But the second, the journey is a journey of discovery. It's not the same experience. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When we was down at the Beacon Centre, there's only really one... Before they started the evening meeting, they used to sing choruses. Well, lots of churches used to do that. And um, there's one chorus that sticks out in my mind that I shall never forget... People who looked totally miserable. People who looked as if they had no interest in what was going on. So, oh, they, they did. I know they did. But their faces didn't show it, okay? And they used to sing this song. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. Mm. I haven't forgot it. I can forget that sitting, uh, sitting under the old gas lamp out the back there. You know, before the electricity came in there. But this is one said, I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. One of the most amazing ways that we can be satisfied in God is to let the beauty of Jesus develop in our lives. It's the most fulfilling thing and experience we can ever have. Rest. That's what it says. Rest. I'm going to leave it there. I've got so much more down here. but uh, you, know, you know, as I started off, that we live in this, this, in this uncertain world with uncertainties all around us. And um, I just feel that God wanted to say to us this morning, I am who I say I am.
you know, you will find a Bible verse said. And if you just really want to find that this morning, you just want that sense of knowing we're accepted. Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. The writer of the Colossians says, just before what Julian read earlier, he said, you're accepted in the beloved. You're, that, that you're accepted. And each one of us are accepted by God through Jesus. Let's just pray. And we just have a song to sing, because I just want to sing us about the, the greatest day in history. But this greatest day is where we need to go to and to find all that Jesus has done for us. So uh, we're in the back.